0: We're going to continue on a third part of a series we're doing called Position for Justice. I want to speak into that and encourage us. I feel like the Lord shared a few things with me this week about where we are and what we're up to and what's happening with us. And what He's doing in the earth and in the nation in certain ways. And so I want to do my best to to deliver that. Luke 18 I can remember in days gone by, just staring at this parable and trying to figure out, what does this really mean? And uh, I just love how the scripture continues to open up over time, and you look at it and you go, wow, you know, certain things couldn't be plainer. You know, after 10 years of looking at a thing, you know, the Lord will will shed light at times, and sometimes it takes 20 years, but you know what? That's okay. We've got all eternity to search out the God that's unsearchable, you know? So Luke 18 has become um, such an important scripture for me personally and for us in the house of prayer. And uh, let's just take a look at it again. I know we've touched it at times in the past, but let's just take a look at it with fresh eyes. Verse 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and to not lose heart. The NIV says to not give up. The KJV says to not faint. Men ought always to pray, and to not give up, faint, or lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God, nor regard men. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow, she troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Verse 6 says, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God, shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. You know, the, uh, the NKJV says, though he bears long with him, but, uh, the, the, uh, NIV says, will he keep putting them off? Will he keep putting them off? And the the idea is this. I think the NKJV got it a little bit wrong. I think the idea is that God will avenge those that cry out to him, his elect that cry out to him. He will not keep putting them off. That's the idea. And it says, I tell you, he will avenge them. See, he's, he's saying it again. He's just That was a rhetorical question. Now he's giving you the... The answer, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I think sometimes our reading of this can can feel negative, but I feel like it's such a positive thing. And uh, let's just go through it again. You know, here we have uh, Jesus. He's giving us this parable. And the parable is to encourage two points. The parable is to encourage men to pray always. He's trying to give an encouragement. That's the whole thing. And he's encouraging us to pray always and not give up. Those are the two big points of the parable. And so if you get into the lines of the parable and you don't come out being encouraged to pray always and not give up, then maybe we're not thinking of it the right way. That's just a thought. And so in the parable, here's this widow who's going to approach this unjust judge. And what he's doing is he's giving us like an ironic comparison. He's giving us a comparison to uh, us approaching God But instead of using a bride, he uses a widow. And instead of using a God of justice, he uses an unjust judge. And what he's saying is this. Even if a widow approaches an unjust judge continually without giving up, that unjust judge will rule for her and get justice for her. So then his point is, how much more? You, who are not a widow, when you approach the God of justice, how much more? Will he not avenge you when you ask? And then he says, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? The, the point of that question is this. He goes, when I come to bring justice, will I find the people who haven't given up? That's, I mean, that's what he's saying. Is he This is to encourage you to not lose heart, to keep going for it. This is to encourage you to, to have a heart that believes in the God that answers prayer. This is a, a parable to encourage you that pray all the time. Just keep going for this thing. Keep swinging the bat because eventually you get the ball out of the park. He goes, even an unjust judge will rule for a widow. The idea is this. An unjust judge would pervert justice to a widow. He wouldn't rule for the widow. He would think to himself, Who cares what a widow, no one is going to come against me if I say no to this widow. This is a waste of time. I'm not going to rule for her. Someone who has no justice in their heart would overlook the widow. But God says this, you're a bride and I am a God of justice. You're married to me. Now come and ask and ask and ask and ask and don't stop. Don't lose heart. Because if you will keep asking and keep knocking, you will find you will reap. And that's the encouragement of this parable. It's to those that are tempted with giving up. That's what Luke 18 is. It's to those who are tempted with quitting. And so I was taking heart in this, you know, and I was looking at this, and, and then you get down to that last verse, he goes, will he find faith? The, the point is, will, he, he's saying, so will you guys, in light of this truth that maybe you didn't get, that I'm a God of justice who will rule for my bride, in light of that, will you just keep going until I come and bring justice? Will you just keep swinging the bat until the ball goes out of the park? You know, the greatest home run hitters of all time are also a lot of the times the greatest strikeout kings of all time. Sometimes you just gotta not worry about it if, when you swing and nothing seems to be happening. You just gotta keep swinging. And that's what I, that's what I think is, is the, uh, the idea of this, that he goes, I am a God of justice, you are my bride, if you ask, I will absolutely answer. There could be a delay, but my goal is to find you still in faith believing when I come to bring justice. That's what I'm asking of you. Will you believe in the God who hears and answers? And so um, I think this, that this uh, parable is uh, specifically geared toward people who have a cry for justice in their heart. I think the, the idea is those who have a cry for justice, trying to get justice for the widow, the orphan the poor, the foreigner, those that that see injustice in the earth and they cry out against justice, I think this parable is geared for them because I think they're likely the ones to experience an attack of discouragement more than others. Because when you're crying out, when you're seeing injustices and you're seeing challenges and you're seeing negative things happening and it's you want it to change now and it doesn't change immediately. You know, we cry out for the overturn of abortion, the ending of abortion in America, and it doesn't stop tomorrow. Well, if it doesn't stop tomorrow, that means another day 4,000 children didn't exit the womb. You know, they, they, they died in the womb. And so the, the one that has the heart for justice, they say, no. And that one that's got the heart for justice, I think the temptation to be discouraged is Great. And that's why I think he takes this parable and he aims it at those that have this cry against the injustices in the earth because there's the greatest temptation for them to be discouraged because they're aching over the injustices they see. Does that make sense? And so I was looking at this idea of this fainting, quitting, giving up, losing heart. Men ought always to pray and to not lose heart, not faint, not be discouraged, and I, and I really believe there's an attack that comes against people that have a, a cry for justice in their heart to give up. I really believe that's, the, that's what Jesus is countering. He's countering the attack of the enemy uh, to cause people to faint. And I think the feigning spirit, I think it looks like this. I think it has two prongs. I think one prong is discouragement and one prong is disinterest. We talked about the discouragement thing just now. and we, you, you keep swinging and swinging and nothing changes and your heart just can't bear. And you begin, hopelessness begins to set in. Has anybody ever been there? Come on. Like yesterday. Like this morning. <laughs> you know. You're, you're believing God for change. And it seems like nothing's ha- moving, nothing's working. And the pain of the injustice still taking place, you go, God! And then the accusations come against God. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't see you. Maybe he's not just. If he's so good, then why? And all those voices begin to play in the ear of the intercessor. And after a while... The, just, the injustices mount. The lack of justice causes great pain. Discouragement and the voices attack the heart. And you'll see this all the time. The one that was fiery over an issue. They faint on the way to seeing that issue changed. Because of discouragement. It doesn't mean that they're bad or wrong or anything like that. It simply means they became a casualty of this thing called a feigning spirit. They lost heart because there was an attack against them in the, on the way. I just want to say this, that, hey, if, if you've got a cry in your heart for justice, if you've got a grace in your heart to cry out to change things in the earth, you've got to cry to see the injustice is overturned, I guarantee you, you will be attacked with discouragement. I promise you. It will happen. It won't be fast enough. It won't be thorough enough. You know what I'm saying? Am I making any sense yet? Now, the other thing that happens is this, and this is the one that throws you into shame and condemnation. Discouragement makes you sad and depressed, but this other prong called disinterest makes you feel ashamed. Because here's what happens you've been slugging away, slugging away, slugging away, and you get tired. And from that place of being tired, all of a sudden, one morning you wake up and you're indifferent. (laughs) You're just like, you know what? Somebody else can do it because I don't have any energy for this. And, And all of a sudden, that zeal that you had to see God's kingdom established in a certain area, the fire has turned into a little ember and you're like yeah i really do want whatever the point is to happen but i'm not the guy somebody else has to carry the ball not me and indifference will root it's same it's two sides of the same coin it's called, called the feigning spirit and indifference roots it roots in your heart and all of a sudden you don't know why you didn't care you don't care anymore but you just don't and then you start feeling ashamed that you don't care You did care, but now you don't, and you don't have the energy to care, and so, uh, I'm just a bad guy now. And you just think, well, man, I I've lost it. I backslid. That's what it is. I'm not right with God, because if I were right with God, I wouldn't be indifferent, but I must be not right with God, and now I'm just, you know, (laughs) broken, and I can't help because I'm backslidden, and indifference takes as many people out of the game through shame. Shame and indifference, shame through indifference, takes as many people out of the game as discouragement. Because you think, man, I should be fiery, but I don't know what's wrong with me. And I don't know how many times I've looked intercessors in the eye and they go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I tell you what's wrong with you. You're an intercessor. (laughs) It's like, you know what your problem is? You pray a lot. (laughs) That's your problem. Because when you pray a lot, you get in the fray. And when you're in the battle, man, bullets are flying and bombs are going off. And things are blowing up over your head. And and you know, it's a little bit discombobulating. And and all of a sudden, it's like, how do I even navigate this? And you know, you just have to keep steady. Just keep a steady gaze. I mean, for me, I've got to remember the last clear thing the Lord said and stay on that until I get another clear thing. And all those other little, you know, winds blowing around my head, freaking me out, telling me I'm, you know, backslidden and missed God and not even saved and leading people astray. And I mean, just everything that's flying around me, it's like, okay, no, no, you gave me a mandate to do night and day prayer, and I'm going to stick with that. Just keep going. Just keep going. But you're not qualified. You know you're not anointed, and you're deceived, and and you don't even have the script. You don't have the right mentality of the scripture, and and you're not manifesting the Holy Spirit. You're manifesting demons, and people are getting led astray by you. And I, he said to pray all the time. I don't know. <laughs> he just told me to pray. All I want to do is show up and pray, and I'm just going to stick with that one. <laughs> Bombs blowing up everywhere. All sorts of weird stuff. And in the middle of it, you go, I don't think I can do this. But he spoke a parable to us that we wouldn't faint and lose heart and not quit. And the parable was this. He goes, I'm not an unjust judge. I'm a just judge. And you're not a widow. You're my bride. And if you'll ask me, I'm not going to do it slowly. I'm going to do it speedily. Don't quit. And I just love that. You know, Mike told us, he's told me a bunch privately and he told us publicly, but he says, if you don't quit, you win. <laughs> if you don't quit, you win. If you keep showing up, you win. You will win. Now I'm looking at this and I'm looking at folks and, and I'm realizing that our cry for justice and our desire to see injustices overturned, have drawn attention. <laughs> They've drawn attention uh, adversarially. Do you know what I'm saying? The enemy, he's not going to mess with you if you're not doing anything that doesn't matter. And, and I feel like there's just been a little bit of an attention drawn in the spirit by the enemy. And I think many people right now in our midst, and I'm going to explain to you why I think this is so profound and powerful, are experiencing an attack of a feigning spirit, of indifference and discouragement. I, I believe that's hitting, in a big way, many people. You might be sitting out there going, man, I'm full of the joy of the Lord, man. I feel good today. And High five to you. Good. We're going to get you to lay hands on the rest of us in a minute. But I feel pretty strongly that this is, this is hitting a lot of folks right now. But here's what I felt like the Lord shared with me. I felt like the Lord was sharing with me that this is definitely an attack against where we are, who we are as a people. But I felt like the Lord was saying, you guys are a prophetic type of the prayer movement in the nation. We're like a prophetic picture of what God is ordering for the prayer movement in the nation. How do I say it? The, uh, the struggle for life that the plant goes through is absolutely, absolutely essential for the plant. Because if it doesn't struggle for life through the, through the soil and it doesn't build girth, In the stem, the first raindrop that hits that six foot tall, this thin plant, it's going to topple the whole thing over. But if it struggles through, it builds girth, and when it gets tall and a bird lands on it, it can stand. And so the struggle for life that that the prayer movement is going through right now is essential for the building of the house of prayer in our nation. And I feel like we're a prophetic type of what's happening in the nation right now. I think there's an attack of discouragement that's hitting the intercessors right now in this crucial hour when justice has to be cried out for. Justice has to be established. I believe there's an attack of indifference and discouragement hitting the, the prayer movement in the nation. And I think that what we're doing is we're actually muttering through this as a forerunner people in intercession for prayer to say it a different way, I believe we are praying for prayer to happen. Does that make sense? I believe that we are walking this path, keeping going and not quitting, unto a whole nother generation that will step into the wake of something that's been opened through you know challenges and struggles and trials. I think that we're praying for prayer, and to be quite honest with you, when we when I look at our house and I and I travel to other places and we've had so much grace and favor, it's silly. Our, I mean, our, uh, I mean, just everything, our finances, our facilities, the the people that are here, the, the community that God has gathered. I mean, there's so many things that are so strong about who we are, and God's given to us such a, a grace and and favor. But for us to continue in night and day prayer, you get battle weary to show up every single day in a mundane, the guy played the same song all week, hello, environment. You know, you show up at the 10 a.m., God bless you, Christian, it's not your fault. But you know, he's playing the same song five days in a row. And, And not to single you out, I could have said any time frame. It's the same throughout the whole schedule, that's the whole point and the guy plays the same song every you know every day at the same time and you're just like <laughs> you know bang your head against the wall that can be very challenging to be encouraged in the bu- mundaneness the mundaneness steals zeal from you but we don't live on conferences we don't live on carnivals we don't live on The big wahoo event. You know what we live on? Every day putting one foot in front of the other, not fainting. Showing up and not fainting. Not giving up and making our request known to our God who loves to hear our voice. Our voice is sweet and our face is lovely. And every day that I show up and I say, God, help again today. He goes, oh, do you know how you move me? I remember Mike told this story one time where he was, this is before he started IHOP, and they were praying three times a day, two hour uh, blocks, and uh, he was walking across the parking lot to go to, I I think it was the noon prayer meeting that day, as he walks across the parking lot, something clicks, and something opens in the heavens, and he actually has this, this, uh, he hears angelic choirs singing praise and rejoicing. And he, and he has this, you know, I don't know, 30 second moment of heaven is open and rejoicing over this prayer meeting that's getting ready to happen. And so he's thinking, man, we are about to go global thermonuclear. I mean, just something is about to explode. And he walks in the room and he's like, yeah, who knows, who knows what's about to happen. And they, they do 45 minutes of worship and then they do, you know, an hour and 15 minutes of prayer. So they do the 45 minutes of worship and it's, it's worse than bad. It's bad minus. And so he's just sitting there thinking, well, maybe it wasn't supposed to be on the worship. It was supposed to be on the intercession. So this intercession is going to be amazing. And then the intercession is worse than the worship. And he comes out of the meeting, he's scratching his head. He goes, Lord, like, what happened? Did we miss it? You know, do we zig and we should have zagged and what? And he goes, oh, no, that's how all your prayer meetings are. And that's how I always am about your prayers, rejoicing with angelic choirs over the fact that you would stand a watch and hold ground and lift your voice. Jesus spoke the parable because he wanted there to be a people who would not lose heart and who would pray always. That's why he gave us that parable. And the vision he gave us is of a God who loves justice, who answers speedily for those that will cry out and not lose heart. Beloved, I tell you, the fact that you might be experiencing a little bit of flack in the spirit The fact that you might be experiencing a little bit of discouragement, the fact that you might be experiencing, I woke up this morning and all of a sudden I don't care, and you don't know why, and indifference is attacking you, I tell you, it is a sure sign that you are on the right path. I promise you. And what most of us do is, we are more led by our feelings than we are by faith, And that's why he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? What's faith? It's obedience to the call of God, whether you feel it or not. It's obedience to take the foot and put it in front of the other one. And you don't want to move the other one. You put it in front of the other one. It's obedience to follow God where he leads. Faith. Just keep walking. And so he goes, will I find those that are still showing up when I determine justice to be released? I believe in the heart of God, he's got a a vision for a bride that doesn't lose heart, doesn't faint, that's burning for justice just the way he is. He's looking for a comparable bride. He's not going to lose heart and faint over you and I in our broken situation. Think about him. What if he got discouraged when we stumbled every single time? He would be very depressed. Think about it. If it was just my shortcomings and all of y'all never failed or fall fell down or whatever, it was just me, he'd be like, dude, come on. You're bumming me out. But take all of our shortcomings together, multiply that by the total number of the bride and the earth. Every time one of us falls, fails, chooses poorly, what if he, just, what if he allowed discouragement to get on him? But Isaiah 42 says he will not be discouraged and he will not fail until he establishes justice in the earth. He's not going to stop. And he's going to do it with the bad news bears. Oh yeah. First Thessalonians 4 says this. He is the avenger of everyone that's defrauded. He is the avenger of all such who are defrauded. I think about the God that calls himself the avenger. What does that mean? What is the stripe in his character that's, that, that's it, see, it resonates with this tone vengeance is mine. He has a, a cord internally that resonates with vengeance is mine and I think about the God that calls himself the avenger and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to fi- I, you know what this boils back down to beloved you know what it boils back down to the knowledge of God because we end up thinking he doesn't care and he's not true and he's not faithful and he's not for justice we end up thinking that and so we get discouraged and disinterested but he says no I'm the avenger and there's a chord within me that resonates with justice, and there's a chord that that's in me that resonates with vengeance. And he calls himself a jealous God, a consuming fire. Deuteronomy four twenty four. I remember reading that, going like that. That's I remember first times read first time I, or first few times I read that verse, and just it, I read it and just went like, I don't, I can't, I can't, like I can't compute. The God who is a consuming fire and burning with jealousy is the idea. A jealous God who is a raging, consuming fire. The idea is anything in his path, it gets devoured. Why? Jealousy. And I just, I'm like, I I don't have any grid work for a jealous, fiery God that consumes everything. help. Like, I don't know this. (laughs) And I, I mean, I spent, I've spent years with that verse sort of in my back pocket just going, I don't understand the God who is the consuming fire. The God who has no problem calling himself jealous. Like, his introduction to us, I am jealous. He actually says, my name is Jealous. Jealous. You know, you can almost get Moses. He's like, what's your name? He goes, jealous. That's scary. I just met a little kid whose name is Brooklyn. I thought that was cool. What if her name had been jealous? He's like, what's your name? Jealous. I mean, the all-powerful God, the God who is all-powerful, who creates everything, With words, and he's got this stripe in him called vengeance, and his name is jealous. We don't know him that way, and therefore we don't trust him to bring forth justice. He calls himself the Avenger. Exodus 34, 14, that's where he says it, my name. He goes, for you shall worship no other God. Why? For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. (laughs) And I realize this. His jealousy is what motivates him to justice. Proverbs 6, 34, it says, jealousy is a husband's fury. He has Furious jealousy over everything that hinders love between him and his people. Furious jealousy. And I'm thinking about this and I'm going, God, you are, you are you're too intense for me. You're, I'm a fairly intense fellow. You wired me up this way. But whoa, my circuits go on overload when you say to me your name is jealous, and you have furious jealousy like a husband. He is absolutely at odds with everything that gets in the way between he and I. And he is at odds with everything that brings injustice to me. He is at odds with everything that defrauds me. Not, yeah, I'm going to vote against that. He is furious in jealousy against every injustice in the earth. And when that is who we see God is, I promise you, we can rest and trust, patiently waiting for the Lord, knowing that he's going to establish justice as the noonday. See, wherever you've been defrauded, wherever injustice has been enacted against you, you have a furiously jealous bridegroom who's taking account, and he is not going to stop until justice has been worked for you. And I tell you, I look at how he does it, and I say, oh God, because it's twofold, the way he does his justice. See, he's, je- he's jealous to vindicate everything that comes against us, anything that's external, anything that attacks us, any, any wrong that we've suffered, anything that messes with us. <laughs> Furious jealousy like a husband. He's going to bring vindication to you, I promise. Every abuse, every attack, furious jealousy. He operates for you. He's the one that fights for you. He is not blind or deaf to your circumstance. He is jealous to bring vindication. Now think about David crying to the God of furious jealousy and saying, Vindicate me. You know, I imagine if someone were to come against my wife and I'm standing back and, and they're maybe they're beating her or torturing her and she's crying my name and she's saying, vindicate me. Come on, husbands. Do you know what I'm saying? This five foot seven... <laughs> I'd bring some vindication or I'd die trying. You know what I'm saying? We're just going in. What about the God who's all powerful? And his bride cries, vindicate me. Vindicate me. Ravenous wolves have surrounded me. I mean, David, oh. He goes, the bulls of Bashan, they've, they've encircled me. Vindicate me. The God who's already stirred up. His name is Jealous. (laughs) I tell you, he will not let one attack, one abuse, one injustice go without vindication. That's the first way he brings justice. The second way he brings justice is... Whenever there's darkness, not on the outside of me, but on the inside of me. Because he is just as jealous for my heart as he is for my vindication. And he is, he is the perfect hunter. And all of creation is about God bringing under his influence the one thing that he set outside the realm of his sovereignty, and that's the choice and decision of men and what men chooses to do with his heart. And he is the perfect hunter who is always pursuing me. He's always pursuing you. He's always after you. And when you have held hands with darkness, when I have joined arms with that which will separate me from him, the same furious jealousy that he has to bring vindication to everything that's external, he moves in that same jealousy to judge darkness even in my own soul. Because he wants me to burn for him the way he burns for me. And he will judge even the actions of my hands when they're motivated by darkness and separating me from him jealousy is a husband's fury he has idea he has this concept that he has rights to us he actually believes that he owns us and it's because he does Over and over and over and over through the scriptures, he says, you are mine. You are mine. My own special people. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. And the God of jealousy says, you are mine. You are my possession." You are my beloved. You are my people. And I tell you, with the fury of a fire that devours every adversary, he attacks every incongruency within me where I ally myself with darkness. And he brings judgment to all the dark places in my soul because he wants me for himself. And he doesn't want to share me with another. Oh, who is he? He's a consuming fire, a jealous God. I don't really think we know what we've gotten to, into. You know, we didn't want to go to hell. You know, that was a bad idea. It said, Come receive Jesus, and you get to go to heaven. And we sort of got this image of this sort of sweet savior with a lamb around his neck. We had no concept of the furious jealousy that is burning within him. The cauldron of desire, fire. See, the bride at the end of Solomon, she says, he actually says, he goes, set me. He says it to her, set me as a seal upon you. Is my love, it's fire, and my jealousy, it's cruel. And, and it's like the response of the bride is, yeah, seal me. Oh. <laughs> seal me with that. Seal me with fire in love and cruel jealousy. If we abandon ourselves to the God whose name is jealous. We can relax. We can rest. We can trust. That's what I mean. Turn over with me to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 is a very interesting chapter. Moses is about to die. In 31, he explains, he goes, I am going to leave. And he says it to the children of Israel, he goes, you guys have been stiff-necked, with me here, he goes, and when I leave, you're going to be worse. He's speaking as a prophet. He goes, but I'm going to teach you a song, and I want you to learn this song, nation, so you comprehend the activities of God for you. And let me just give you the song in a paraphrase. The song is this. God is after you. He loves you. He's a great God who's after you, but you are going to reject him. And others are gonna come and bring judgment against you, and they're gonna get puffed up, and then you're gonna get to see how jealous your God is, because he is gonna destroy them on our behalf to show you how much he loves you. That's the song. I mean, that's a pretty intense love song. It's I mean, it's just like, what? And so that's the paraphrase of Deuteronomy thirty two. It's broader than that. Look at verse 3. I proclaim the name of the Lord. And then his encouragement to the nation is ascribe greatness to our God, consider him great. He is the rock, and his work is perfect in all his ways. Are justice. He's a God of truth. The NAS says faithfulness. And he is without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. And so this song that he's teaching them. He sets out the, the boundaries of it. He goes he is a God of justice. There is no injustice in him. All his works are perfect. And I'm trying to get to the place Where I look at the injustices in the earth, and I look at the challenges of my life, and I look at the path that He's given us, and I look at the challenge to continue and not quit. And I have to come to this place and realize everything you do is just and true, and all that you do is perfect. Perfect. He's never messed me up, He's never led me wrong. He's never goofed, never had to revise the plan. All his works, perfect. And his leadership in my life is perfect. And all that I've had to go through at his leadership is perfect, because it's producing something in me that's good and true and faithful. And in the end, no matter what the hits are that I take along the way, all his ways are justice. All his ways. He will not let me go without vindication. And so, it's his jealousy that motivates his justice. But what motivates his jealousy? His love. And he explains it in Deuteronomy 32 in an interesting way. He talks about this concept of portion or inheritance. You know, in Genesis 15, don't turn there, I'll just tell you. In Genesis 15, the Lord tells Abraham, he says, Listen, he goes, I am your shield and I am your portion. Don't worry, Abraham, you're 70 years old. You're leaving your father's house finally. You're getting out and going to a land which I'm calling you, and you don't know where you're going. Don't worry about it. I am your shield, and I am your portion. He goes, I'm your exceedingly and great reward. And over and over and over through the Scriptures, he says, I am your portion. Psalm 16 says, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup, O Lord. And over and over and over, we get it that God has set aside a people and he says, I'll freely give you all things, but the greatest part of your inheritance is me. I am your portion. I am your sustainer. I am what supplies your heart. I am your inheritance. And so God, it's like this. God sets up the inheritance for himself and for us. And for us, he goes, I want to give you the greatest thing I can give you. Me. That's going to be the greatest thing you can get. He goes, I'll give you everything and me. I am your portion. He goes, now, let me think. What part do I want? What's the portion that I want? What do I want to set aside for my inheritance? I'm giving you me and everything. What is the piece of the pie that's my greatest longing? What's my greatest desire? And he says, you. You are my portion. You are my part. You are my inheritance. You are what I'm setting aside for me to enjoy. You are what I want. That's what God is saying. He goes, I don't want more galaxies. I don't want more conquests. I don't want more planets. I don't want more angels. I don't want more names. I don't want more power. I don't need it. I'm all powerful. What I want is you. I want you. He says, you are my portion. It's right there in verse 9. The Lord's Portion is his people. Jacob, Israel, is the place of his inheritance. The Lord's portion is his people. I look at that and I think, wow. God is so jealous over us because he looks at the one thing that he set aside for himself his own people. And then he says, when anything comes against you, my portion, I have a problem with that. And that's why he introduces himself as a consuming fire and a jealous God. And that's why he says my name is jealous. We like to call him jealous jealousy. He is jealous jealousy. Because we are what he's reserved for himself. That's why that little, you know, that thing that catches our gaze and we give our affection to it, that's why he takes issue so many times with the thing that, why, why, Lord, why do you care if, if I do that or not? It's not sin. He goes, it's getting part of your heart, and I'm reserving you for me. I'm jealous, and you are my portion. You are my inheritance. And I just think about the God who's staring at me, and he can't wait until the day of the redemption, the full redemption. He's given me the down payment of my inheritance, and I've got the down payment of his inheritance, but there's a day when he's going to have me completely. And that guy, that God with eyes of fire is staring, looking at me, burning with desire, and he cannot wait Until he possesses me completely. I am his portion. I am what satisfies his heart. Can you imagine the God who sets his satisfaction and delight on people? No wonder he's jealous. (laughs) No wonder he's zealous. No wonder he's so serious about justice. Because he's burning over you. And he's burning over me. I love it. He goes, fear not. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Oh, to hear him say it. You are mine. I mean, that there's terror in that. There's wonder in that. I mean, there's delight in that. And there is fearsome intensity in that. You are mine, Billy. Oh. In uh, Ezekiel 38, don't turn there. He's talking about how he's going to vindicate the bride at the end of the age. And he's talking about when he destroys Antichrist. And he says this. He goes, it will come to pass. It's in verse 18, Ezekiel 38. He says, it will come to pass that my fury will show in my face. (laughs) My fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. He's talking about the judgment that he's going to bring against Antichrist who's defrauded and and done so many things to the bride. He goes, my fury will show in my face. That's going to be an intense, scary day. The God who is jealousy moves in fire and consumes everything that hinders love. Now, Here's what I want to say to you. If, in fact, you are in that place of experiencing the fainting spirit, discouragement, disinterest, and you feel that coming against you in some way, it could be level one, level 10. I want to tell you this He is jealous for you. and He is not going to let you go under. He wants to bring justice in this area, and he wants to lay waste the adversary that's trying to inhibit you. And I realize this, there are pockets within me there's attack on the outside and then there's the intercessory role we get for opening up a prayer movement all across the globe. I mean, this thing is mixed up. We got some few little, you know, uh, ingredients mixed together. But the Lord, he wants to bring vindication. He does not want to allow you to stay as you are. He's burning with retribution and he wants to get you up. And out of that fainting spirit. He wants to get you up out of that attack. He wants to get, you know, he wants to put the enemy at bay and destroy that that which would, would come against you and and, and uh, try to call you to quit. Now look at Psalm thirty seven, and I'll close with this. Beloved, we've got to believe in the God that vindicates. We've got to believe in the God that vindicates. We've got to believe in the one who says, You are mine. I'm burning in passion for you. We've got to believe in the one who fights for us. And I tell you, it will displace that attack. The fainting spirit. Psalm 37 I woke up at 7.37 this morning and the Lord said, Psalm 37. Do not fret, verse 1, because of evildoers. Do not be envious of the workers of iniquity. When you think of uh, workers of iniquity and evildoers, just think of, just just spiritualize this for a minute. Let's Just think about the devil bringing an attack against you. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither is the green herb 3. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. And your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. And do not worry. Do not fret. It will only cause you harm. See, the admonition to the one... That's ex- that's experiencing injustice. Is trust in the Lord and wait. Trust Him and wait. He will bring justice to pass, and when He does, it'll be bright as the noonday, bright as the noonday. But beloved, I, really, we've got to deal with this question: Do we really believe in the God that won't allow us to be defrauded? Do we really believe in the God whose name is the Avenger? Do we really believe in the God who will not rest till he brings forth justice? Do we believe in that? I mean, while I'm saying it in here, we're all like, yeah, but for real. In our life, in all of our scenarios, all the challenges that we go through, do we believe in the God who says, vengeance is mine, I will repay? I tell you, it will keep us back from so many fleshly activities at the works of our hands if we will stop, rest, trust, and wait for the Lord. I want to tell you this. Some of you are looking at circumstances right now and you're saying, but time is running out. I don't know how it's going to turn around. It's so late. I promise you, he's the 11th hour God. He's never late. He's never late. He will bring forth justice in truth, in faithfulness. That's what it says. He'll bring forth justice faithfully for you. Because you're His. He's jealous for you. He's jealous. Let's just end. God, we don't want to faint. We don't want to lose heart. You're the God who answers speedily, and we believe it. Oh, we might not feel it, but our faith is not a feeling. You are the God of justice, all your ways are justice. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their their seed begging bread. Never seen them forsaken. Why? Cuz our God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I just hear him saying over us right now. You are mine. You are mine. From the front to the back, he's saying it to you. You are mine you are mine he will not be discouraged he will not fail he will bring forth justice in faithfulness for you justice he's the vindicator the avenger the fiery one Whose name is Jealous. He is Jealous Jealousy.